Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And, you know, in, in the wake of uh, everything that's happened over the last 24 hours uh, relating to conversations uh, about race, about community, about criminal justice, uh, part of this really all comes down to how we better understand and value the differences in others. And to be able to get out of our comfort zone and engage with those we disagree with and those who are not like us. Uh, If you ever want to really expand your mind, if you ever want to really think again, uh, you have to do that. And uh, so we are uh, really thrilled to have back on the program one of our favorites, Maya Jaradot, is uh, joining us on the line from Florida. And uh, the question of the day is, what is a Jewish woman doing observing uh, Islam's uh, Ramadan and uh, the holy month there. And uh, you're learning some very important things, Maya. Tell us about it. Yes. Hi, Boyd. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, one of the most important things about Ramadan is that you feel the hunger of those who don't have enough. Mm. And charity is also a big aspect of the month. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that, that wasn't really on my mind the first time I decided to do the fast. Um, so, I mean, empathy is at the core of the fast. For, for me, it was an even more personal reason that I wanted to kind of um, simulate the holiday as, as much as I could in our home here in South Florida. Um, you know, my husband is from the West Bank and his family is Muslim and my husband is pretty secular. But, you know, when I think of what it means for us to live outside of, of Israel and the Palestinian territories, I feel like the kids are missing out on so much. They're missing out on the Jewish holidays, the Muslim holidays. And so I said, if I do the fast, you know, we can replicate some of the rhythms of the holiday in our home. And, you know, while empathy is one of the core kind of things of the holiday, I think that also um, doing the holiday in the home, you know, will give the kids a sense of empathy as well for their Muslim family, you know, back home. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and I love that. And I love that you're doing that for your children to make sure they have that full experience, whether it's with the Jewish holidays or the Muslim holidays. Uh, I, I think that is so important that we are open uh, to have those kinds of experiences. And and so as you've gone through this and uh, this cycle, and uh, we know that part of the purpose of Ramadan is to create that shift, to create that space uh, for different. Uh, so tell us one, how you're doing, and then tell us how your your kids are engaging with you. And you, you have a great piece on Deseret.com uh, that describes that, but give us a little insight into that. Thank you. So I have to admit that I that I am cheating a tiny bit. I am having I'm allowing myself a cup of coffee in the morning or I would not be functional. <laughs> and um, as a nod to kind of the fact that, that I'm not Muslim and we're in South Florida and I'm both, uh, you know, I, I, I work and I'm the primary caregiver. I am having sips of water <laughs> throughout the day, but otherwise I'm, I'm doing no food. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, Part of what I'm trying to to show the kids, and and this is a deep message that it 
ages three and five, maybe they're not picking up on is that when you when you kind of set aside your physical body and 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 feeding that physical body, you're making the space to be fed by faith and God instead. Now, I'm not saying we should all starve ourselves all the time, you know, um, but but I do feel that it turns down the volume on on some of my physical, not just my physical concerns, but aspect of our physical lives. Um, I hate to say it. I hope my editors aren't listening. Even aspects of work. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> for you sure. Know, <laughs> I just you you feel yourself kind of floating outside of some of those day to day concerns and anxieties, and and a little bit more connected with the bigger picture. I think, and and I think that's what it's designed to do. And so, um, you know, the experience of of being hungry all the time is is hard. Um, but but it's nothing compared to what you know those who truly live in poverty go through and and it's a small price you know if it helps plug me into a much bigger you know more spiritual experience yeah. that makes sense yeah and I, I think that's uh, so vital and, and again what a great uh, what a great thing to be teaching your children uh, I think that's just such yeah. a, a vital thing that we slow down uh, that we do have some of those shifts. Uh, in terms of our thinking and the rhythm of our days, I think, is uh, the other thing that seems to be part of Ramadan. Uh, we were talking to the imam here uh, locally, and he commented on that. It says it really just changes your wiring a little bit, uh, but causes you to think about different things or to think about things in a little different way. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like that's what my, my first Ramadan article was really about. And part of the shift is not just by the fasting, it's also by the way you know, everything shifted into the night. So, you know, um, we'll have iftar at sundown. I always start with date, just as, you know, everyone does back back there. And Muslims here in the U.S. do. I shouldn't I shouldn't pretend that there aren't Muslims here. Um, and, and, and it shifts you into this nighttime kind of space. Um, one of the really interesting practices that I've not been doing, and, and I, I maybe I should pick it up now that it's sprung to mind, is this nighttime prayer. And there's a, a very late night, like a late, late night um, prayer that they say that, you know, God is is most receptive. And I think there's something about being awake in that stillness of the night that's really powerful. Um, and I have fi- been finding myself waking up in the night, but just not actually getting out of bed and, and reading scripture, Quran, whatever. By the way, we also do the Christian holidays in our home um, because we, we want our children to understand that the majority of the country is Christian and that they need to also understand those holidays. So we kind of joke that our home is like the Abrahamic faith. You know, we there we do. go. <laughs> uh, that is, that is fantastic. The piece you can read is on uh, Deseret.com and we're going to continue to follow Maya's journey through Ramadan uh, throughout the, the course of the next few weeks here as that uh, comes to a conclusion. Uh, but I think it's important for us to, to again, recognize and remember uh, what we learned uh, from uh, Reverend Amos Brown from the historic Third Baptist Church of San Francisco, he came on the program and uh, very passionately taught us that uh, you know we're not a we're not a melting pot, we're a salad bowl, uh, so that mm-hmm. we can value. Everyone gets to keep their uniqueness, uh, and we need mm-hmm. to value the the uniqueness, the vibrant colors, the textures, and all of those things. And Maya, we really appreciate your perspective. Uh, in terms of helping us understand that, especially uh, when it comes to Ramadan and, and so many other religious issues uh, around the world. 
Well, thank you, Boyd. It's great to be on. All right. Uh, we'll have you back again real soon for uh, for an update and uh, see how things are progressing there. But uh, Maya Jaredot, one of the great writers, again, she joins us from South Florida, and uh, she uh, writes for the Deseret News. Uh, she's also an author. She's uh, spent time living and reporting uh, on Israel and the Palestinian territories and uh, just has a great way of framing things as it comes to faith uh, and really that intersection between faith and culture and politics. Uh, so again, we'll uh, we'll have Maya come back uh, again and join us really soon. All right, uh, coming up next on the program, uh, we're, you don't want to miss this. Uh, we've got uh, Dana Perino uh, from Fox News. Uh, she has a new book out uh, that uh, really has some interesting perspective, and it's really about life lessons for young women from a former young woman. And uh, Dana Perino has some uh, really fascinating perspective uh, in her role uh, as a former White House press secretary. She stood in the room. She's taken the the darts and arrows uh, from media in the past. She's become part of the media in her role at Fox News. Uh, she is a best-selling author. And really, the focus of this book is for young women, lessons not just for their professional lives, their serenity, uh, their peace, their fulfillment, uh, and their ability to make a difference in the world. So stick around. You don't want to miss that coming up next. So we will step aside for bottom of the hour news. As I mentioned, coming up next, Dana Perino is going to join us. Uh, my interview with her on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless, and I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.